Joshua chapter number 12, verse 7, and verse number 8. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel smote on this side Jordan on the west, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, even unto Mount Halak that goeth up to Seir which Joshua gave unto the tribes of Israel for a possession according to their divisions in the mountains and in the valleys, in the plains, in the springs, in the wilderness, and in the south country. I'd have us to understand tonight that the Lord was good to Israel while she was in Egypt. It was the place of which he raised her up as a nation. He also redeemed her in that place and finally released her. Egypt is a type of this world. And I want to go on record, as bad as this old world may seem, as saying thank God for what He's accomplished in my life, even in this world. Amen. Thank Him for my physical birth, and then I thank Him for my spiritual birth, and I thank Him for the liberty and the freedom that He has birthed in my heart. God was good to Israel when she was in Egypt. God was better to Israel than she deserved when she was in the wilderness. Think about it. She grumbled and complained, murmured and bickered. But yet she got water from great depth, manna, angels' food from on high, fresh quail every day, clothes never worn out, a cloud that cooled them by day and a cloud of fire that led them by night. I wonder what she'd have got if she hadn't murmured. Maybe she'd have been a little thankful. I just want to say to you, the Lord's been better to me than I deserve along the journey. How about you? Amen. I hadn't praised Him enough. But when we come to the book of Joshua, we find out that the Lord saved this land, Canaan, for his best, for the children of Israel. And can I say to you tonight, God has a best for all of us. This land, of course, was the promised land that the Lord had promised Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all of the children of Israel down through the years, Joseph, the promised land. This land was a privileged land. It was nothing they deserved. Moses told them in the book of Deuteronomy, when you get over in that land, don't you think you deserved it because you were a hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. Not because you deserved it, but it's because of his promise to your fathers. This land was a land of plenty. said it flowed with milk and with honey. 
God saved this land and planned this land for his children. It was his best. And some 59 times throughout this book of Joshua, it is called the land of their inheritance. It's what they inherited from the Father. Tonight I want to begin on through Wednesday night of taking Israel's inheritance, the best that God had for her. And of course, I want to make application to you and I as God's children now. And I want us to see our inheritance and see the best that God has for us, the promise and the privilege and the plenty. Now I'm going to springboard from Colossians chapter number 1, verse 12, 13, and 14. Paul tells us what our inheritance is. We know what the children of Israel's inheritance was, and of course all of that was written for our example and for our learning. It was a a foretaste or a picture of the inheritance that was to come. And Paul tells us about it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, 13, 14. Child of God, here is the fullness of your inheritance, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now here's the picture that I want you to see out of Israel's inheritance, the promised land, the land of Canaan. I want you to see it as a picture and a type of our inheritance or what we might call the, the life that we have found in Christ. Well, the truth of the matter is Jesus is our promise. Jesus is our plenty. In Him doth all the fullness dwell. Jesus is our, uh, our mercy. He, he is our privilege. And it is, it is our life in Christ. He alone is our inheritance. So I want us to see this, this life that we have in Christ, this life that we have received from Christ, our inheritance in Christ, because every blessing that we receive, we receive through Him and by Him. And I want us to notice the inheritance of Israel with the inheritance that you and I have in Christ. And with that thought in mind, the first message that I want to preach tonight is what I call the geography of the Christian life. From the time that you believed Christ and became a child of God, that, that new life, that abundant life that began in you when and wherever it was, that, that inherited, inherited life that you began to enjoy in comparison to Israel's inheritance, 
I'm emphasizing what I call the geography of our inheritance. Now, so you can understand, go back to our text. And we notice that the inheritance of the children of Israel, the best that God had for Israel, that he had promised them and provided for them, was a land of geography. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the topography, the land lay. He tells us that in verse number 8. He said, uh, in this land there is mountains, in this land of promise. Now, you've got to understand, this is God's promised land to Israel. There were in that land mountains, valleys, plains, springs, wilderness, and the south country. Now, I didn't do too good in geography when I was in school. If you don't believe it, you just get a copy of my itinerary. I don't have one up there, but if you get one and you notice where I'm going to be from one week to the next week and you'll scratch your head and say, well, couldn't he work that out a little better? I have preached meetings in Michigan, had to leave Michigan, go all the way to Florida. <laughs> and my wife said, well, couldn't you work out something a little closer? I have started in Michigan, ended out in uh, Mississippi. Uh, just somehow I never have been able to get this landlay of evangelism all ironed out. I can't get it uh, just in order. You know what I mean? It, it don't come that easy. But here I notice in the inheritance of the children of Israel, it was not an inheritance of just a, a flat land, but it was an inheritance that involved a geography, highlands, lowlands, valleys, plains, wildernesses, and south countries, and, and mountains. But it may surprise you, and here's the application that I want you to see. It may surprise you to know that the Christian life or the life in Christ has as much variety and diversity and range in it even as Israel's inheritance. Now, sometimes I guess it causes despair in our lives, especially when we first get saved. When we come to Christ, somehow we come to Christ with the idea that the Christ life offers one level of emotion, one rich flavor, one temperature, one type of weather. The life in Christ is sort of like being on a beautiful island somewhere in the Pacific. Without the bugs and the flies, and a place to where everything always seems to be wonderfully the same. But if I were to tell you that tonight, if you've been saved any length of time, you would say that preacher's telling a lie. Because it just ain't so. There is also, even as this land, there is also in Christ our inheritance 
the geography of the Christian life. Now, let's point it out. First of all, I want you to notice with me what I call geographical elevations, and my application is in Christ. I want you to see this. The Christian life, the inheritance that we have in Christ, much like the inheritance of the children of Israel, by comparison, involves geographical elevations. Now here is what I want you to underscore. Did you notice that in verse number 8 that Israel's inheritance, first of all, involved mountains? The truth of the matter is, is that promised land offered to Israel some of the most majestic heights. I have been privileged, me and my wife, to go to Israel and to be upon many of these mountains. Mount Hermon in the north, from which the Jordan River begins its flow right under that, that mountain, is some 9,200 feet in elevation. A beautiful mountain. Of course, we know about Mount Hebron. That was the mountain that Caleb inherited. We know about Mount Carmel. That was the mountain that looks over the Jezreel Valley and then out into the Mediterranean Sea from which, from which Elijah called fire down out of heaven. We know about Mount Zion, which is, which is called Jerusalem. There are many lofty and high mountains, not the highest of the high. But there are some exceeding wonderful and beautiful and majestic high mountains. I emphasize that. There are some highs in the inheritance that the children of Israel received. Several highs. I hadn't counted how many mountains and all the elevations, but there are several highs in their experience of the inheritance. But here's what leaped out to me that I, I had never thought about in this context. While Israel offers several highs, not the highest of the high, but several highs, did you know that in the land of promise that God gave to Israel her inheritance is the lowest spot on earth? It's called the Dead Sea. There is no spot on earth as low as the lowest spot of the inheritance. Think about that. The Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below sea level. And then if you were to measure to the depth of the Dead Sea, it's 1,300 more feet below. It is 2,600 feet below sea level. You can go real high in that land, <laughs> but you can go real low also. But so it is true in our walk in Christ. In the best that He has to offer us, our life in Christ, has the geographical spiritual highs but children, brace yourself. There can be some very 
low experiences. Paul tells us about it on both levels. He said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. You ever been on that mountain? He said it's peace that passeth all understanding. Have you ever been on that mountain? Thank God for the highs. As a child of God that I have been able and we have been able to experience in the Lord. But on the other hand, he said that I might know him in the fellowship of his what? Suffering. And I'm here to tell you that the sufferings of Christ are the lowest of the low that were ever experienced by humanity on earth. No man has ever suffered as low and went through as much as Jesus did when he gave his life. Emotionally in that garden when his sweat became as great drops of blood. And as he cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? No doubt the lowest point of suffering in this whole world was what Christ went through when he carried the weight and load of our sin in becoming sin for you and I. And Paul said, in this inheritance of the Christian life, not only do I know some high places, joy unspeakable and full of glory, but he said, I know some low places in the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. The Christian life, I do not mean to discourage you, I mean to encourage you by letting you know that Christ will allow you to walk some lofty high mountains with him. But child of God, he doesn't only walk the high and lofty mountains, he also travels the lowest of the low places and he wants you to join him there also. I notice Paul didn't say that I might know him in the fellowship of his blessings. That I might know him in the fellowship of his increases. That I might know him in the fellowship of his prosperity. He didn't say that. Because the truth of the matter is, when Christ was here on earth, he did not afford himself many of the highs that you and I enjoy. For instance, Jesus had nothing of a possession of his own, not even a tomb to be buried in. It was borrowed. He didn't even have his own uh, mode of transportation. He, He had to borrow that also. Jesus didn't know what it was like to have a church building to come and meet in with song books. And and Jesus didn't know what it was like to wear a suit. Jesus didn't know what it was like to have money in his pocket. Jesus didn't know what it was like for people to love him. Jesus didn't know what it was like. He didn't afford himself those blessings. And so as a result... You and I will never be able to fellowship with Him in the realm of our blessings or our highs because He doesn't know anything about them. For instance, you could get a raise tomorrow 
And you can go and thank Jesus for that raise. You can say, Lord, I want to thank you. They give me a hundred, two hundred dollar raise a month. I just come to fellowship with you over that two hundred dollar raise. He'd say, I'm sorry, son. I, I don't know anything about that. Well, you could come and you should thank him for your house, but he'd have to say to you, I, 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 you know what fellowship means? It means to have common ground of which you can come together. I can't come together with him in my blessings. I can only thank him for my blessings because he doesn't know anything about them. He never had them. If I had a church and I had 75 members, 50 members, 40 members, I couldn't fellowship with the Lord. We couldn't talk long over those 40 members. He'd have to say, well, I, I, I you know, to be honest with you, I had 12 and they wasn't there when, when it really counted. I don't know a whole lot about that. I can't really fellowship with him in the blessings, but I'll tell you, in those hours of suffering, in those low places, he knows all about that. When you've been rejected, you can go fellowship with him and he'll say, I know all about that. When the pains and sorrows of rejection have come your way, you can fellowship with him. He knows all about that. In those heartache times, of, he, he knows about suffering. Paul said, I want to be able to fellowship with him. And I know the channel of fellowship is many times through the low experiences because he wants someone to know how he feels. And he will allow his people to travel the low places so that we can have fellowship with him. I think a great illustration of that is a man by the name of Abraham. And of course his suffering took place on a mountain when he went up to offer his own son. And somebody said, why did he ask Abraham to offer his own son? I'll tell you why. Because he wanted somebody on earth that he could fellowship with that knew what he was going to do. Somebody said, but he hadn't offered his son when Abraham was asked. Oh yes he had. He offered his son before the foundation of the world. He was a lamb, the Bible said, slain before the foundation of the world. And the heart of God throughout eternity has been broken as he gave his son on Calvary. And when he asked Abraham to do the same, for the first time there was a man on earth that could fellowship with him because he knew the very heart of God. He knew what he had gone through. Hosea as his wife went out and played the harlot. Somebody said, why did God allow that to be? Because God knew what it was like for his wife, Israel, to play the harlot. And he wanted somebody on earth that could fellowship with him in that vein. And can I say to you, Christ does want to fellowship with you and he does want to fellowship with me, but do you want to go to where those places of fellowship are? And that's why he is designed, not all low places, but not all high places. There are the geographical, are you understanding what I'm saying? The geographical elevations of the Christian life from the high all the way down to the lowest point on earth and everything in between. But here's what I want you to understand. The important thing is not whether you're up there or whether you're down there. 
But the important thing is to find out that he's the Lord of the inheritance no matter where you're at. <laughs> the songwriter, when writing about America, said, This land is your land, this land is my land. But I'm going to tell you something, when it comes not only to this land, but when it comes to the land of the promise to Israel and the land of our inheritance in Christ, I want to say to you, this land is your land and this land is my land. But before it became your land and my land, it's always been his land. And he wants you to be able to know that he's Lord of the high and he's Lord of the low and everything in between. He's Lord, thank God, you can find out of the whole inheritance the geography of the Christian life geographical elevations Paul said for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his name's sake notice with me also not only the geographical elevations, the highs and the lows, but it might comfort your heart to know that you're not the only one wherever you're at. Because the scripture from the time of the book of Joshua, where the Bible said he divided unto them according to their divisions, 49 times, 59 times, called their inheritance, there are what I call the geographical examples of those that God has chosen to inhabit the certain geographical locations. He has, as someone has said, a very purpose of which he designs each one of us for a certain location. A.B. Simpson said, there is a sense in which there is a special inheritance for each of his children. God's promises have a meaning for you that they cannot have for me. And God has a plan and a location for you in his kingdom that is personal. That's why you're where you're at and I'm where I'm at. Those geographical examples. For instance, if you're going to go looking for certain Bible characters, you're going to have to go to certain geographical places. You're not going to just find them anywhere. Because when God divided up this land, he gave certain portions to Judah and certain portions to Simeon and, and certain portions to Reuben and certain... Every one of them had certain portions that were particularly theirs. It's sort of like a body. Uh, being in Christ is like being in a body, as Paul talks about it in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. He said, we're not all the eye. And when are all the years? When are all, but but you're somewhere in that body, right? It is also compared to a building. 
We're not all a part of the foundation. We're not all a part of the structure. We're not all a part of the windows. We're not all a part of the ceiling. You can't have a building like it. It can't all be ceiling. It can't all be lights. It can't all be walls. It can't all be foundation. But thank God we're in there somewhere in an important part. And so it is in the life that is found in Christ, much like the life of this, this inheritance of the children of Israel, God has a special place for you. And He has a special place for me. And the thrill of that is, instead of grumbling and complaining about where you're at, just realize you're not there by accident. You're not there for punishment. But you're there because it's a special part of the inheritance that God has designed for your life and you don't want to miss it. Think of it. If you're going to find, for instance, if you're going to find Caleb, no need to go to the beach. He ain't down there. No need to go to the valley. He's not down there. If you're going to find Caleb, can anybody tell me where you're going to find him? On a mountain. He said, that's, that's my mountain, Mount Hebron. God has, has given me that mountain. He said, I can't wait to get up on my inheritance. God just put it in his heart, put the mountain in him, and put him in the mountain. God designed the location for you in His spiritual kingdom. He's given you an inheritance in that Christian life that has involved this place. And He has personally placed you here and given you a location in His kingdom to serve Him. Ain't that a blessing? Caleb, where's he at? He ain't down here. He's up in the mountains. Now I must confess that if I had my choice, I'd have wanted been designed to be a mountain preacher. And by the way, I was in a physical sense. Most all of my ministry has been located in the mountains of, of North Carolina. But I must say to you spiritually, I've never much been one of those high preachers. I've always envied, I can think of several, that every time they opened up the Bible, they had the gift. You knew when they started preaching, you was going up. (laughs) They could take you to the top of the mountains. And boy, how you could feel the the breeze and the, the, the refreshment from on high. And I'm glad to say that I've never been one of those uh, real down low preachers. Uh, Where when they come, it's always a heavy work of God in your heart. You just feel like crawling out, but it's a good word. It's an intended word. I've sort of been in between one of those valley preachers, you know. I'll never take you too high, but... Thank God this week I won't never probably take you too low. We'll just hang around in the valley. But I'm glad I found my location. I appreciate the mountain preachers. I appreciate the valley preachers. I appreciate the wilderness preachers. But I'm glad I found out where God 
has placed me. And as Paul said, that I've found that whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. God has a place. I think about Simon Peter. If you're going to find Simon Peter, don't go up in the mountain. He won't be there. Especially in the early days of the Lord's ministry. If you're going to find Simon Peter, guess where you're going to find him? Down at the water. He's either going to be trying to walk on water or he's going to be trying to fish on water or he's just going to go a-fishing after the Lord's crucifixion or he's going to try to get some money out of a fish. When Jesus said, everything had anything to do with Simon Peter's early life, Christian life, had to do with water. If you're going to find him, you're going to have to go where water is because that's what God worked in his life. Water. But now let's say John the Baptist. If you want to find John the Baptist, if you were to come up to me tonight and say, I'm looking for John the Baptist, I would say to you, you're about as far off as you can be. You ain't going to find John the Baptist in the city unless he's up there preaching. But he ain't going to stay long. Because the Bible said, Oh, John, come out of the where? Wilderness. (laughs) He's one of them old grizzly prophets. Took a bath maybe once every other month. Never did shave. Had bug juice embodied between his teeth and honey running down his chin. <laughs> if you want to hunt him up, you're going to have to go down there in the low country, head out in there to the wilderness country. He'd be out there behind some rock somewhere, chewing on a snake's head or something like that. That's just how God made him. Yeah. He adapted to that down there. It's wonderful place for him. That's where the Lord had put him. All the gratitude and thankfulness we ought to have for the place that God has etched out for us, no matter how high it may be, no matter how low it may be. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're not in this land, you're headed for another land, and you don't want to go there. The highs and the lows, thank God for the geography of the Christian life. Geographical elevations are geographical examples. These men adjusted primarily to their elements where God had placed them. Now no doubt there were times of which Caleb... Uh, for business reasons or for whatever, had to come down to the valley. Maybe even ventured down to the lowlands a time or two. But he wouldn't stay there long because that wasn't his place. He'd head back up. And there may have been times when men like David might have had to leave the valley after he killed old Goliath and, and go up to the mountain. But he won't stay there long. He'll come back to where it is his location. Or maybe old John the Baptist will come out of the wilderness and preach a sermon or two. But I'm going to tell you, if that's his location, he won't stay long. He wants to go back to where God has placed him. Geographical examples that are given to us to let us know that God has a special place. He'll let you leave that place every now and then, but you won't be gone long 
until you'll come back to the place of which he has planned for you. Geographical. Elevations, geographical examples. But then I want to bring to your attention, I'm talking about the mountains and the valleys and the plains and the springs and the wilderness and the south country. I want to point out to you what I call the geographical experiences of our life in Christ. You see, we each have our own experiences according to the level of which God has placed us on. No matter if it be high or whether it be low. Uh, we can each give our testimony that nobody else can give. One of the things that I like about conferences is being able to hear the diverse preachers as they preach. You'll never, if, if you hear two preachers who preach alike, one of them's not needed. God never intended on it being that way. He made you for where he wants you. He made me for where he wants me. We can't be alike and none of our experiences will ever be alike. You'll have the experiences. For instance, if you're a wilderness person, God has placed you down there in the wilderness, all your experiences are going to be with lions and tigers and bears and snakes and everything else and a hot climate and an old salty dead sea. Anything and everything you got to talk about is going to have something to do with that. You've been able to tell that, haven't you? When you listen to a preacher preach, he'll always preach out of the well of his experiences of where God has brought him. And so it is for you. You may not be a preacher, but when you stand and testify, you're going to be testifying out of the experiences that you've experienced where God has placed you. And that's what makes your testimony special. Nobody else can testify, I guarantee you, like old John the Baptist could. And nobody can testify like old Elijah could. Oh, he could come in here tonight. He could talk about the high and lofty places. He could talk about how he experienced the Lord up there on Mount Carmel. Yeah. Old John could tell you how the Lord, how he experienced him and got revelations in the wilderness. David could tell you how big God was in the valley of Elah. Each one of them could give you examples of experiences that they had gone through in these different locations. But the one thing that they all have in common is the truth that the Lord was enough for whatever the experience was, wherever they were. Amen. Oh, again, I say to you, it's not where you were placed, high or low. But it is through the experiences you go through, the Mount Carmel experiences, the Goliath experiences, whatever they may be, it is the Lord teaching you in the midst of the experience 
and letting you go testify to others that He's Lord of the mountain, He's Lord in the valley, and He's Lord in the wilderness. See, that's the blessedness of what God does in your heart where He's got to. He'll always have you somewhere where nobody else has been to a certain degree. And then He will allow you to experience Him as Lord in that inherited place. He intends of being Lord over where you're at right now. And when the experience comes in that place... He intends on showing you that He is Lord even in that experience. So that when we all come together, we can individually stand up and testify and encourage each other's heart that even in those experiences that we don't know anything about, that the Lord was enough to overcome. What a blessing it is to my heart. You see, there's a lot of places I can't experience. There's a lot of things. And you know, I, I, as I travel across the country and I shake hands with the saints and they begin to share with me some of the things that they've gone through, when they even begin to talk about it in my heart, I say, Oh God, I hope I don't ever have to go there. I hope I don't have to have ever tasted that old bitter water of the salt dead sea. I hope, Lord, I don't ever, I'm afraid of heights, Lord. I hope I don't ever have to go up there. (laughs) Lord, I hope I don't ever want to have to go in that wilderness. Lions and tigers and bears, oh no. I don't want to go in there. Lord, I hope I don't ever have to get down that valley and face that big old giant. But the thing that encourages my heart in my location is to hear you testify of how He's Lord in your location and how He's overcome the enemy in your location and how He's triumphed in your life in your geographical place where you are serving the Lord. And what I do is I take this across the country with me. When I go into a place and I see what God has done, it is a great testimony that He can do in any place that you're in, in any circumstance. He's Lord of that mountain. He's Lord of that valley. I emphasize it. And He's Lord of that wilderness. And He's got you in there especially to experience it so you can tell somebody else that He's victorious because all of it is His in You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I want you to notice with me lastly, I'm talking about the geographical, the geography of the Christian life. The elevations of it, the examples of it, the experiences of it. <laughs> Old Simon could say, children, I said, Simon, I don't know how you do it out there on that old sea when that wind gets to blowing. I'm scared of water. I'm scared of storms. Why? He said, I ain't no fool. I'm scared too. But he said, you ought to have been out there when Jesus come walking on that water. He said, I just want to tell you, son, I was out there long enough to find out he's Lord of the storms. I said, you mean to tell me, Peter, that he can even stop the storm? He said, he sure can. He come out there where I was at and he did it. I said, whoa, praise God, if he can stop a storm in the water, he can stop it on land. <laughs> I said, old David, I'll tell you what, I'm scared of them big boys. 
I mean, that old boy, he's big, wasn't he? David said, yeah, he's big, about nine foot nine inches. I said, but David, I don't, please, Mr. Custard, I don't want to go. I'm scared. Oh, he said, you don't have to be scared of him. He's such a big target, you couldn't miss him. And the Lord was there that day and give me the victory over that giant. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, I ain't. I said, whoo, I didn't know that, David. I'm glad you come and preach today. You're helping me. Yeah. Oh, Elijah said, I was up there in the midst of them old, cold, dead, formal, false prophets. I said, Lord, Elijah, I don't want to ever go to the church like that. They'll kill me. Freeze me out. I don't want to go to them kind of churches. He said, it's all right. The Lord sent the fire down on that outfit. And we ended up having a meeting. Said, you wouldn't believe it. Even some of them old stiff necks said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There's a fire. I said, whoo, boy, if he can do that up north, maybe he can do that down south. <laughs> Honey, if he can do that for you where you work, maybe he can do that for me where I work. You see, if he can show up down there where you're at, in your dark hours, in your low places, maybe he can show up in my low places. He can help me if he's helping you. And he's got you where you're at for the purpose of showing you his power so you can come tell me about it. Amen. Because I need to know. Because I'm liable to run into something in a valley. I might run into something. on. I might end up in the wilderness. But the thing that makes me special, and you special, is I can come this way tonight and tell you he's Lord even in evangelism. He's Lord out there in the roads in the wee hours of the night. He's Lord even in them old cold places. And old John the Baptist would reach over and wipe that honey off and pick a little of that bug juice out. And he'd say, I just want to tell you folks, I know you're scared to death of the wilderness and the lions and tigers and bears, but don't bother me none because I found out years ago He's Lord down there also. He's already been in there and took over that place. <laughs> Even run the devil out of there. I just have a wonderful time eating bugs and licking honey. <laughs> it's a great experience. I said, John, you're kidding me now. You mean you can get a good night's rest down there? Oh, he said, the sweetest in the world. He said, I like to hear those growls at night. They just let me sleep better. <laughs> I like to hear them howls and hisses and slithers. I just sleep like a baby because I found out he's Lord even in the wilderness. I think I've only run into two people in my life who genuinely I felt like had the victory over death. And both of them had experienced so much of it that they found out he was Lord even in the hour of death. One dear sister lost seven children. Some of them still birth. But she lost three in one year that every one of them 
was over a year old, and every time a doctor would come, he'd say, it's scarlet fever, we can't do anything, or it's a different type of thing. The last one died, she didn't have any left. The lowest of the low. But between that time in her dark wilderness and the time that I run into her, the Lord showed up. And I'm going to tell you, that old sister could major on death. It, it just seemed as though it was a pleasant subject to her. Her daughter come down with a sickness. I was in the house when she come and told her, said, Mom, the doctor says he don't know if I'll make it or not. She said, well, sit down here, honey, and let me talk to you. It'll be a wonderful crossing. It'll be okay. He'll take care of that. I thought to myself, how can she talk like that? <laughs> I'll tell you how. She spent so much time down there at the lions and tigers and bears. And the Lord had showed her the victory. To even death had no sting as far as she was concerned. Isn't that amazing? Now, I didn't say I wasn't afraid of it. I'm scared to death of it. I ain't afraid of what's going to happen after I die, but on the way, I mean, them, you ever think about the good way to die? <laughs> I don't want to burn. That's hot. I'm scared of knives. <laughs> I don't want to drown. And I sometimes imagine going down that interstate and them big old trucks are running on it don't look good. <laughs> but he ain't had me hang around a whole lot of that, so I hadn't I hadn't really experienced but I've heard some folks talk about it. <laughs> and they didn't seem to have no problem. And that helped me. I said, Woo! You must be Lord in the hour of death. Lord of all the inheritance. The highs. And the lows. <laughs> and when you find that out where you're at, you'll help me to find it out where I'm at. And we can go to meeting when we all find it out. <laughs> but let me close with this. It's what I call the geographical expressions of our inheritance or the geographical evidences of our inheritance. I uh, have found out, and you have too, I'm sure, that certain areas of the country, every area of the country offers its own unique product. Let's say it's fruit. The fruit of the land. There are certain things that will grow certain places that won't grow other places. And if you're going to get that certain thing, you're either going to have to live at that place or you're going to have to get it from somebody that does live at that place because all things don't grow in all places. For instance, there are times, four or five times a year, I go into Florida to preach meetings. <laughs> but there's one thing about Florida that when I go down there that them kind folks offer me and I love it. You know what it's called? Oranges. I like oranges. I like tangerines. I, 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 like the, I like that fruit. Now, I've never seen an orange tree in North Carolina, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. I, I've been up there 30 years. My wife, born and raised there. And never seen an orange tree with oranges on it <laughs> in the mountains of North Carolina. You know why? 
It's simple. The environment, the elements, uh, it just ain't going to grow there. If you coming up to where I used to live, visit me looking for oranges, you're a long ways away. I'm going to have to turn you south. I'm sorry, we can't help you up here. And you might go to Kroger's and get some or something, but they didn't get them around here. They had to ship them in from the locations. Where, but I'm glad there are those places where you can get them. The fruit of that land. And when I go down there, there's one church that I go to that the fellow has a, a uh, orchard there of, of oranges. And he always tells me, he said, now make room, preacher, make room. I've got some fruit I want to give you to take back with you. And so I always make room for that fruit. And I'm so glad for that fellow that gives me those oranges that I bring back to the mountain. When I go south to Florida, if Esther's family or somebody they knew was going, they'd say, now be sure and bring, bring us certain kind of fruit there. And one of the ways they knew we'd been down there is when we come back, we'd always bring them back a measure of whatever it was that, uh, that they liked, brought it out of Florida. But I didn't just get those oranges down there. The old farmer, you know how they are, they won't talk about it. That's all he knowed anything about. He'd tell me when the season started. He'd tell me when the season was over. He'd tell me how big they'd grow and what kind would grow and what kind of weather would freeze them out. And he'd tell me what he had to spray them with. He'd just tell me. He knew all there was to know about oranges. And I was glad because I didn't know nothing except how to eat them. But you know something? While I had to go to Florida to get the oranges, if they wanted apples, I had never seen an apple tree in Florida. They don't grow there. And if you're going to get any good apples, one of the places you can get it, I know you can get it out west, but one of the places on these, you can come to the mountains of North Carolina and you can get some nice... But you see, there's certain things that Florida had we didn't have. But... They could give us the fruit of the land of where they had toiled, they had lived, and they had experienced. And in turn, we could offer the fruit of the land and the geographical location of that which where we had lived. We could offer them because that's where it came from. Now here's the application I want you to get. God has you where he's got you because he wants to produce a certain kind of fruit. John chapter 15, bearing fruit. But he will bear the fruit in your life out of the experiences of the location where you're at. It'll have a certain flavor about it. It'll be uniquely you because it'll be through an experience in the elevation where God has you, where nobody else has ever, nobody else has ever experienced exactly what you've experienced in life. And so you have something to offer to me out of your expressions and evidences of where you've been with the Lord that I don't have. But thank God as I come before you tonight, God has taken me into some, uh, some places and He has caused me to experience some things that has produced and expressed some fruit that you don't have. 
And that's the thing that I love about the service of the Lord, I love about preaching, is I can offer you something that no other preacher can offer you because they ain't been where I've been. And God hadn't produced the fruit that he's produced in my life. But it's not just me as a preacher. It is each one of us as individuals, as God is richly developing within us this fruit. And the truth of the matter is when it is all said and done, I need what you've got to offer. That's why God produced it. And you need what I've got to offer. That's why God produced it in my life. And only God knows what all it has taken to produce the fruit that is in my life. And only God knows the experiences and the places that God has had to bring you through to for you to have the fruit that is in your life. But you see, God made all those rich flavors in all of those different people, in all of those different places for me, and he did it for you. And so can I say to you tonight, our inheritance, our life in Christ offers the highs and the lows, the geographical locations. But in doing so, he is letting you find out that he can be Lord any place at any time through any experience. And that he is producing in you something that he's going to use for somebody else to help them along life's journey. And what a blessing it is to be able to eat of the fruit of someone else's experience. And haven't we all done it? That's what the Christian life, that's what fellowship's all about. Is you telling me where you've been and how you've experienced the Lord there and I can feel and sense out of your experience the evidences and the fruit. I can taste it that God has been real in your life where you are.